Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Endless House podcast. And as you can see, it's a duo. It's not Franny. It's not my deadly duo, but I come up with a name. I don't know what you're going to say about this, Anthony, but Penn and Teller, because we're fucking magic. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go for that. Any day of the week, mate. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's good to be back on. Uh, all of, you know, My house is tidy. Uh, all the chores are done after a football this weekend. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into the, the big preview of the you know upcoming match against Shakhtar. 100%, 100%. And again, the comments are already busy. Ryan Kelly's in, Monty's in, Joe Finley, my wee brother Daniel's in. How are you, buddy? Egyptian King, Brown, Brown Warrior. The, the, the whole team's in here nice and early. That's what we like to see, Anthony. Uh, I well, the dream with... team are apparently getting called as well. Oh, we can't the, ask the the we'll take it. We'll take it. You write the poems and I'll speak them out. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we'll, we'll start with uh, some news that came out today before we dive into, obviously, all things Celtic and the Gunons. And are we a uh, Australian magician? Tom Rosick, the guy who could play with slippers on, made a, a weird career choice, in my opinion, and joined West Brom after saying he was homesick. What do you think about that? Oh, it, was, it was a bit of a surprise, but I think there's been, since he left the club, there was there was lots of different rumours, like you say. The, the homesick one was definitely one that came up around the time of his departure. But then there was a few rumours, you know, the kind of things you don't want to hear that you know he maybe he wasn't doing too right um, upstairs. And then yeah. there was there was there was some some chat about that. And then there was quite strong rumours he was going to rejoin Lenny uh, in Cyprus as well. I think um, Lenny's getting the band back together over there if all the the latest headlines are in to go by. I think Gary Hooper's there, Adam Matthews. You know, it's yep. um, if you want to go and watch Celtic in a time machine uh, back to 2012, just uh, get yourself on a plane over uh, to the Cypriot uh, region. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those. I wonder if perhaps it's just maybe been a deal that's maybe suiting both parties. I think it's only a one-year agreement. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, it's 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 a strange one. Um, you know, there's been a, plenty of Celtic players have left and um, I've found the grass isn't always greener, but they've all, you know, maybe stayed at maybe a higher level. But, you know, Tam's done so much that you can only wish him well. But, yeah, it was yeah. definitely a head-scratcher going to the, the backwaters of English football in West Brom. 100%. And according to the Egyptian King, we're in a modern-day Stokes and Hooper, so... This might be a time machine oh, for some what players. A, like... What a partnership <laughs> that was. Very potent and a very successful oh, partnership maybe had. 100%. And Stokes as well. He was so underrated coming in off the left-hand side. I thought he was acting like that. But, I mean, for me, Rosic, like, as you said, you can't really do anything but wish him all the best. And I know there was rumours from his close mates and stuff that said he might actually quit football. So it is good to see him pulling the, the, the boots back on, albeit for a lesser team. And, I probably will keep an eye on him, watching some of their highlights when he's playing and stuff like that, because he's an absolute legend. And Kaiser comes in, big time will stroll it, stroll it down there for down there for great money, hundred yeah, percent. So just a, he's an absolute, just a, an absolute magician with the ball at his feet. And like you say, with it being the, you know, the, the lower um, division in England, that like you say, hopefully he'll get a bit more time in the ball and a bit more to, to express himself and do what he does best. So. Uh, yeah, don't be surprised to see West Brom up the top end of the table. Uh, thanks to Tam and his magic tricks. Oh, 100%. He might do a Ryan Christie and get up to the Premier League at the first time I've asked him with a, a team in the Championship. But we'll move on and we'll talk Celtic. And yes, the, the cancelled culture kicked in this weekend for football. We've been all a wee bit down, a wee bit drab. There's been nothing to look forward to. Kids football being cancelled. Everything being cancelled, really, to be honest. And I mean, I don't understand what people do on a Saturday about football or a Sunday. My mind was going bonkers. I actually couldn't wait to get back into work just for a bit of normality. <laughs> and that's never that likely. But, I mean, there has been lots of rumours going about about Brighton. They obviously lost their, their manager, Potter, to Chelsea, albeit he's been a cracker manager. I've actually looked at his career really closely. Obviously, over in Sweden, we spoke to a few people who's actually worked with him. Um, David Webb, for example, worked over our time with him as well. He's been on our channel and said great things about him. But, Brighton are apparently Anthony sniffing around past the Cogley. Now you obviously see the rumours saying, well, you see one rumour saying he's a strong contender, and then you see a break in last night that he's not interested. Then again, it gets brought up by journalists in the mail down south and like this freelance journalist kind. Of, I don't know if they're trying to unsettle him or whatever here, but again, when you see them sorts of rumours, you think back and not too not too long ago, Brendan Rogers jumped ship for Leicester City. Not saying for one minute that Pasta Cogley's in the same kind of breed as him, but 
you, you kind of want a bit of security there, don't you? A wee bit of a blanket to fall back on. Yeah, well, I mean, I lost it, mate. Like, any time there's a, a managerial vacancy, just more often than not, the mainstream media will put two and two together um, and come up with a, any any number apart from four. Listen, there's no, there's no doubt that um, Graham Potter is definitely a, a coach on the up, and he's obviously got his his big move um, to one of the top clubs in, in England, and of course that then creates what a, a lot of the time is uh, a domino effect, you know. And but I think, listen, on, there would be football owners of of clubs down south wouldn't they be doing their job if they didn't have um, Ange Postecoglou on their list? But you know. I've got a list of my own, uh, Stephen. Um, anyone in a relationship knows that you get your celebrity list. Margot Robbie's top of mine. And I can tell you, I think there's more chance of me getting a date with Margot Robbie than there is with Ange Postecoglou going to sell, uh, to Brighton. Um, I, and I, I can get, I totally understand the whole sort of, uh, you know, it's you know, the Premier League, it's a big club. And by all accounts, Brighton and Hove Albion are, are quite a well-run club, you know, they try and yeah. do things the right way, kind of similar to Southampton, that sort of model, you know, um, they realise they're not going to be pushing in the top four or the top six anytime soon, but they're, they're all they're ambitious and that's absolutely fair enough. But I think, like you say, that there is the obvious comparisons there between Ange and Brendan, but I think um, they are two very, very different animals. I think Brendan regardless of what people say, Brendan Rodgers was brought up a Celtic supporter. There's no two ways about it. But I think we can also say that he definitely believes that he, he belongs in the, the Premier League. That's very, you know, that's where the bright lights can shine on the, the shiny Nashers that he's got. And that's where Brendan believes he, he belongs. Um, but when you take, apart from Brendan Rodgers, who by all accounts was always destined to go back there, there's not really actually been any Celtic manager, no matter how successful, that have went straight from Celtic to an English Premier League club. You know, yes, Martin O'Neill went to Aston Villa, but you know he he had came from England to start with, yeah. and um, he'd obviously taken the year out. Um, and then you look at you know Gordon Strachan for all he achieved, he ended up at Middlesbrough. You look at the other side of the pond, you know Dick Advocat in his first few years at Rangers done great things, and then, but never got. I don't even think he ever went down to England or if he did it certainly wasn't to any of the, any of the top jobs um, you know people will obviously say oh well of course Steven Gerrard but that's more to do with you know his, his fame for what he did on the pitch um, rather than you know any managerial skills off it so you know I think right now I'm very relaxed about it Stephen because mm -hmm. I think Ange is cut for a different cloth I think wherever Ange goes, and this is the thing for all the clubs that are in the world, but we'll focus on England, and yes, it's a you know, we've got all the fancy stadiums and, you know, the, the Premier League tax for every time there's a transfer and, you know, the it's a, you know, billion pound TV deal but regardless of that, it's still a circus, a very fancy looking circus, but a circus nonetheless and for me Postacoglu you know, for, for me, Ange, go, but not, not all, all of these clubs are successful. There's very few clubs that are actually continuously successful. Um, and so we are one of those clubs. And I think Ange looks at a bigger picture and says, you know, what he's doing now, he's obviously, we've won the league, we're back in Europe. But I think his outlook seems to be more of, he wants to get Celtic being as big as he can back on the continent again, having... Obviously, but we're never, perhaps not going to be competing in semi-finals or finals of the Champions League or anything like that. But he wants to get it to the point where that's not a ridiculous notion. He wants to keep building on what he what he does, and on the back of that, you would imagine that domestic success would continue. I just don't. Ange builds things. He builds projects, and I and you even see that when we're signing players now, it's not just on short-term contracts. It's four-year deals, five-year deals. Um, yeah. I think he's building something for the very much the long term up here. And um, as you can, you know, you know by his demeanour, he doesn't let things affect him too much, too high or too low. I don't think he looks at the, the Premier League with any kind of sort of, you know, nose pressed up against the glass or he thinks the grass is greener or anything like that. You know, he he's like, there's nowhere greener than Celtic, put it that way, mate. Oh, and um, I, I just think at the moment, he's just firmly focused on making, you know, no, no other club, has got a, a backstory that mirrors the manager's own backstory in the way that Celtic and Ange do. I think we're a perfect fit 
for him and he adores being here. His family's settled. He's never gave any inclination, even in press conferences, about, you know, he'll maybe give it, you know, a token, you know, compliment or whatever, but he never seems to too eager, I think, to go down south. And if he ever if he does to go, um, then it's certainly not going to be for um Brighton and Hove Albion. You know, I think, you know, we appreciate we're 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 not the biggest fish in, in the ocean, but we're a we're a pretty big fish. And compared to us, Brighton and Hove Albion are a tadpole. <laughs> you didn't practice that one, does he? I was a practice. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think you're you're right. He, he says what the players he sings. If they don't want to be at Celtic, they're going to be shipped out the door. And as I said in the previous podcast, he kind of get that with himself as well. I think if he didn't have a feeling where everything was invested in the Celtic Football Club, he himself would take him away from that situation because it wouldn't be healthy for him. It wouldn't be healthy for the supporters. And then eventually when the split happened, it would just be toxic. But I want to bring the comments in tonight. Obviously, with the two of us as well, it is great to see. Phil McGinley, the ambition of Brighton is basically mid-table and they're happy, well-run club in a steady yeah. hand in that division. We can't see them challenging for European places, 100%. And Paul Dant, big hands, knows he's had a sleeping giant. He hasn't achieved what he wants to achieve, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I and then Monty comes... Boys, yeah. Monty, Brendan would have stayed if he went back. That's, that's simple. I mean, he always mm. refers to that. I've seen the, the podcast he done with... um, well, I was listening to it with Chris Kamara and the other guy, I can't remember his name. And they basically said, did you think... Your, your time came to an end of something kind of naturally or blah, blah, blah. And he was like, it was basically because the board either didn't want the match to invest in European football or couldn't afford it. I'm watching the lines of you here. I don't think he would have stayed. I think he's more about the glitz and the glamour side of things in the game. He yeah. sees the bright lights and he thinks he, he can move from Leicester to United to whatever. But one of, the, one of the concerns is, I mean, you look at the whole Graham Potter situation and he probably joined Brighton not thinking he's going to Catch the eye of a Chelsea football club or catch the eye of United when he when he was linked to the job before Ten Hag got it. And it kind of makes me worried of the fact that not the possibility will see this, but you look at pathways, there's a clear pathway at Brighton. It was established there by Potter, who joined a major force in European football. Postacoglu, again, if you're kind of looking at it from the other side, could be going, what if a could go down there and, and give it a go? And I could be linked with a Chelsea or United or whatever it could be, a Madrid or a Barcelona. I know there's rumours saying, I mean, Brian Mori comes in saying, did you watch the Gordon Hunter interview and off the ball? Very interesting conversation about Anne's Man City and a Man City executive. I've heard rumours saying he's being groomed for the, the next person to take over after Pep, which is quite interesting. But when you look at contracts, Anthony, and the only really manager we've offered a long-term deal to is Brendan Rodgers, obviously, at that time, he was he was flying the Invincibles, all that type of stuff. Travels left, right, and centre. Success was just pouring through Celtic Football Club, and and he got a three year or four year contract. When that was broke, we received a nine million pound compensation. I think it was in the top five of UK football at that time, top ten award football for compensation for Davis. Do you think it's important to maybe test Alan's out? I know he said he doesn't mind the rolling contract because he doesn't want to get comfortable. But you have to show your appreciation to a guy like Postacoglu by at least offering him that contract. Yeah, I suppose in, in, in the terms of the compensationary package that we got, that, that's probably where the contract, having a longer-term contract, does does work. Um, like I say, I, you know, I, I, I did laugh when, when Brendan did that interview, I have to say. I mean, I know a lot of... Did you say it, yes? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah and I, it didn't wash with me at all. It didn't. It, it seemed very much... <laughs> It's very reminiscent of what he did at Liverpool and latterly at Celtic. Um, it's and, and I think he's just basically genie self up um, for when he eventually departs Leicester, which I think will be sooner rather than later. It very much I see a pattern developing um, with Brendan's career, and you know, good luck to him. There's no denying he's a fantastic coach, but you know, you can he's he's playing that card too many times uh, for for my liking. Um, you know, he says that it came to a natural end at Celtic. Nothing comes to a natural end in football in the middle of February. And um, if Brendan had had his way, um, we would have been up the proverbial creek without a paddle because he wanted John Kennedy and Damien Duff to follow him uh, as well. So, yeah, I, I, I take anything Brendan says with more than a pinch of salt. But um, And I know that folks say, oh, he wasn't backed or whatever. I, yeah, I totally agree. P Peter Lawwell takes more than his fair share of the blame. Um, you know, the, obviously the, the main one will always be John McGinn. But let's not forget, and at the start of that window, Brendan was batting his eyelashes to a Chinese club for more money. And then, of course, we can't say we didn't back him. We broke our transfer record in the same window when we spent yeah, nine million on Edward. So I think Brendan, um, most of his ones were pandered to 
Um, but, you know, he stamped his feet a few times and you can understand why sometimes the board weren't overly, um, weren't overly happy with him. Um, but both sides have got to take the blame there and the, ultimately um, what suffered most was, was our progression on the park because we didn't qualify for the Champions League that year. But like I say, Ange, for me, is a totally different animal, Stephen. And like you say, when you're talking about those big clubs there, the Uniteds, and the, you know, you have to say just where, the, where they are at the moment, Man City, um, mm. Barcelona's Real Madrid. You even look at the way that Ange talked after the Real Madrid game last week. And we were all, I think we were all, as fans, in the right to say, you know, we gave it a hell of a go for 60 minutes. And if just if a wee bit more Lady Luck was on our side, it could have been a very different story. But you feel nothing but pride in the performance and, you know, you're, you're, you're hopeful for things to come. And Ange was very much a case of he was disappointed that, that, that they lost. Not in a over-the-top way. Not in a we should have been 3-0 up or, or, any, or anything like that. He wasn't going overboard, but he was just saying the culture he's trying to embrace at Celtic now is that you should be disappointed for, for coming away with a defeat, regardless of who the opposition is and whatever the competition is. And um, I just think he he sees us as a Man United or a you know or a, or a Liverpool. He he gets why uh, you know there was a time when our names literally were mentioned in the same breath um, as those guys. And he I think is determined to get us back into some sort of going back to that kind of return to those sort of glory days. And you know we're very early still in that process. We're maybe quicker further ahead than what we thought we were going to be. Um, but you know the way we're playing football at the moment, it's it's amazing to watch, and um, yeah, I, I'm I'm confident he'll be here for the, for uh, the you know hopefully a long time yet. But in terms of like you say, the contract thing is a fair point. It is but perhaps just to get to give the club some security, if anything else yeah. that they would get um, a hell of a good financial package. Um, where to go? Because my God, he's worth it. Oh, he's fantastic. And- I'm not saying, obviously, that these rumours are true, but they have been up and coming the last, obviously, week or so since Graham Potter left. And a lot of journalists have been reporting the fact that he's apparently on a free man shortlist. And, you know, you, you heard that with the whole Eddie Howe debacle and who was on our shortlist. Turned out to be no one. Then Posta Cogley turned up and was their saviour. And it's absolutely fantastic that he's still with us and hopefully in the future too. I think that's a great point, Anthony. Mm-hmm. We send our best players on the four to five-year contracts. We should do the same with the manager and lock in the compensation package should, should he leave. And I think you, you kind of nailed that when you said kind of security, bringing that money in again, yeah, and point. then you can you can look for a, a replacement. But the way you look at it, and I think Joe said it, Joe Finley said it earlier in the comments, sorry Joe for, for, for knocking back, but he said take take this as a compliment that mm-hmm. sides are looking at Posta Coglu. They laughed at him when the, he first came in a year ago. Alan Brazil, that famous talk sport, interview he was like who's this guy can't even say his name made fun of him on the on, on the podcast or whatever he was on at that time you got journalists coming out saying this guy don't have the right coaching badges this guy won't make it you won't have the patience for his style it takes four years whatever it was exaggerated to kick in and but you look at it now Anthony, and the big players down the down south they're sniffing up here so what does that really say yeah it's it's none what like you say it's an absolute compliment to to the belief in his own ability and um the, the evidence, or, you know, the success we've had already. I think he's absolutely, he's been a breath of fresh air up here um, for day one, really, since he came and he sat down that first press conference. And, uh, you know, Wally often talks about how he felt completely, <laughs> yeah, everything's going to be all right here. And then obviously, you know, in the same week, we had that famous mic'd up uh, training session, which has become pretty legendary. And, um, you know, I just think, He's, he's, he's happy here. You can always, there was always, when you look back, that kind of sense that Brendan always kind of had, maybe not one foot out the door, but he always was looking looking over the, the, the water, shall we say, to, to see how things were going down south. Whereas I think Andrew's just fully focused on on getting them, on, on, on doing the best they can for Celtic. I'm probably saying like I'm having a lot of goes here at, at Brendan Rodgers. I do actually... I do really. I've got a lot of time for Brendan Rodgers. How could you not? He won seven trophies out of seven. And um, but um, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, you know, he's made he's he's made his um he's made his decision. Yeah. He went down to Leicester, he's had some good success there. But um I don't think Ange will be following him down south anytime soon. 
Yeah, Michael McDonald here comes in talking with Matt LeBlanc and tonight is an unshaven Tommy Sheridan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, I do. Can I carry on saying more than that, can you? Yeah. Uh, Shay 67 with a point there. Reminds me of O'Neill in a way they won't walk out until he feels the job has been done. 100%. O'Neill is that kind of strong headed character, much like Angers. Um, again, bringing the comments up here. Cammy Boy, Angers is just an easy name to link to any. Any job in a bigger league. Yeah, I like the quotation marks because that's that does my head when that happens. Um Joe Finley, an interesting one. Has Anne's added scouts at Celtic because honestly the A's potential finds have been top drawer with success. And obviously you don't really look at that. Do you know what I mean? The the whole silence, the silence situation at Celtic Football Club, most of them that we can call on Anne's signing have been successful. And you look at the, the scout department, and I know we added a guy from Benfica to do the analytic set of things and and a, a new fitness coach and he sprung in Harry Kuehl but it's testament to him that he can look at a player and be like he'll make it and so far that there for me is like worth gold dust because if you go to a club and you can have that eye for a player and very often not make a mistake again that's more value for money there isn't it? Absolutely and you look at the, the type of way that he's the signings that we've made they've been so varied and you know even just the, the geography where they've came from is obviously, when he first came, he signed Kyogo. That he knew that that was the top guy for the J League, and he knew that he had to to get him in. That was his, you know, his first big signing. But then you look from from everywhere to sort of from Leela Bada to Matt O'Reilly. You know, it's it's all completely different uh, types of football, different divisions. Um, but he's managed to get them all working coherently into this, you know, incredibly well-oiled machine. It's just steamrolling over everyone domestically at the minute and um, is more than capable of giving the European champions a hell of a fright um, at, at home as well. So considering where we've came from, you know, you know, we've said that a few times, Stephen, but with where we've came from from this time last year to now, it's it's night and day. And like you say, it's just a compliment and uh, it's just testament to Ange and his, uh, his incredible abilities as a manager. Yeah, and Brian Warrior, quick to not let me forget... Lowell Jr. was added from the City Group 100%. And I think he's been actually vital because he knows what possible, what way Postal Quality works from his time in Japan. So again, merging them relationships, regardless of the second name, I don't really care in this instance. It's working. Yeah. We'll keep it like that. And we're happy. And we kind of move on from that as well. And I also want to let people know, we're going to have a brand new show on the End of the Sales podcast. It's going to be a bi-weekly show every second Thursday. And it's going to be called Statstrap. It's, it's me teaming up with Tony McLaughlin from Celtic Trends. I'm sure you've seen him on Twitter. He knows his stuff about data, analytics, expected goals, player performances, getting right into player profiles. So what we'll do with that, we'll look back into games that happened previously. We'll go in-depth in them, all that type of stuff. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. And thank you, Tony, for agreeing to do it with ourselves. It's going to be fantastic. So next Thursday, Tony McLaughlin, Celtic Trends. It should be happening. But if anything else happens in the meantime, I'll let you all know. And we'll move on. Anthony, to the football. The football's back. We've seen all the announcements today that football's going to resume as normal. The EFA Champions League, I don't think they were actually given an inch in terms of what was uh, going to be happening. So we knew the Celtic and Shakhtar game was going to happen. And we look at it. I want, I want to touch on one controversial point before we kind of mm-hmm. go into the game itself. And domestic football was cancelled. And could that play into our hands a wee bit in terms of more preparation for a vital game, getting the players fit? Firing again, kind of bringing their energy levels up. Another week of training, as Postal Cody would say, on the on the training field with the likes of Haksabanovic, the likes of Atate again. Could it play into our hands? It, it possibly could, Jay, because you even take into account, regardless of how well we're playing at the moment and the, the depth of squad that we have, you know, we've just came off a, a massive derby win. And <laughs> then straight after that, um, a matter of days, you're playing the European champions. It, it, you know, they wouldn't be human if there wasn't, you know, that that adrenaline, you know, perhaps could have wore off. You, they, they still had another game to go at Livingston. Mm-hmm. And then you got to go again um, on, on an away trip uh, to Europe to, you know, and we all know all the circumstances there. We're playing a, a Ukrainian team in Poland because of all the horrific circumstances that are happening over there. So, yeah, they're, they're potentially just being able to take stock for, um, a brief, you know, you might even say, does it help Kyogo just get that little bit, you know, back to fitness as well after his injury in the derby? Exactly. So, um, yeah, it, it very much could work in our favour, mate. Um, although you know what it's like, it, it could end up very much going the other way, and they've, you know, they're, you know, they're 
they've, they've lost that rhythm, so to speak, because you, yeah. you hear a lot of these, these ex-players say it, that a lot of the time, especially, you know, they don't want to be rested or anything like that. They just want to keep going once their bodies get in that sort of rhythm. They just want to keep going. So it could go one of two ways, but for, for a few reasons, tomorrow night, or sorry, Wednesday night, it'll probably be, you know, it's a strange atmosphere. It's just, it's, it's, it's sad that that's, you know, just the way things are at the moment. But um, I suppose in one way, it's just great that, that Shakhtar are able to compete at all. Um, exactly. But hopefully, um, hopefully they'll be back in their, their their own their own stadium and being able to compete from their from the Ukraine um, sooner rather than later. I mean, like McGranda, I know he's watching along here, so welcome again. He's very big on momentum, and he always says to me, he feels like there's a dip when we don't play midweek. And I get what he's saying sometimes because mm-hmm. you see it. It takes a while to get going, and that kind of momentum takes it into the game. Obviously, adrenaline and stuff like that, but. For me personally, I think this could come into their hand, like playing their hands a good bit because you look at it, came off the high of playing Madrid, and as you said, we probably would have suffered like a dump against mm-hmm. Livingston, kind of like a, not like we wouldn't have won the game, but not our usual for ourselves. And you cannot get to put that game behind you, recover properly, and then play again in a tough venue like a Warsaw, where we played for um, Borges' uh, testimony there, not, not so recently. But I mean, we do have history. Against Shakhtar Donetsk, they seem to be like a Barcelona and AC Milan in terms of how many times that they appear in our group. And mm-hmm. just to touch upon some of the, the the matches, I mean, I'm not going to go too far in depth because I know you're doing your Champions League rewinds as well. So we we'll look forward to that. <laughs> on the show, help but... me do a wee bit of my extra research for them later. <laughs> so right, let's go for it. <laughs> but I think in, in in total, we've played them four times. We've won our two home games and lost our ties both away, which again points to the the bad European form we have away from home. But just to touch upon the, the last home game I have with them, and if I run through the lineup and just talk about some of these players, we, we had Borg and Nets, funny enough, mm-hmm. Caldwell, John Kennedy, when he could play, what a fantastic defender, McManus, yep. Lee Naylor, Hartley, McGeady, Scott Brown, my favourite player, Yuri Arzik, Fenegar Hesselman. One goalie squad that and night as well, you know. He did. Scott McDonald and then the aforementioned Massimo Donati come on to get the, the last minute winner. I mean, when you look back to that team, that victory, looked at it, Yarosek scored in the 45th minute and Donati scored in uh, Stabby's time, 92nd minute. And Brandao, remember their striker, Brandao, he was an absolute yeah. machine. He scored for them early on. But look back, looking back in that lineup, I mean, the memories, when you look back at Gordon Strachan's time, we had some fantastic home victories, didn't we? We absolutely did, and I think that's testament to you know when you're reading that that team sheet out there, Stephen. One thing that stands out is it's with the greatest of respect, it is not a team of superstars by any stretch no. of the imagination, and yet you know Gordon's uh, still, I believe, the only Celtic manager that's done uh, three consecutive seasons in the Champions League, um, two of yep. which we we qualified for the last sixteen that year, being one of them. Um, you know, Gordon Strachan's team they maybe weren't the easiest on the eye, but my God, they were a fit side and they went right to the end. They, they, they you know, they never stopped, shall we say, um, to coin the phrase. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned John Kennedy there. I think that was possibly one of the last games he actually played yeah. for Celtic because he had came back for the horrific injury. He was actually at fault for the goal that night. Um, he, he got caught out. He tried, I think he tried to head it down and, you know, the striker you mentioned just nipped in in front and, and put it beyond Boric. And um, it was how we, it was a real smash and grab job how we qualified for the last 16 that year we had to win that night to have any chance mm-hmm. going into the last match um, but then we still had to rely on Shakhtar at home losing to Benfica if we didn't pick anything up in the San Siro and obviously yep. AC Milan you know I think they won 1-0 that night it was a very scrappy game it wasn't much to write home about but um, our old pals for Portugal uh, done us a favour and they won over in Shakhtar and that meant that um we went through on the on the head to head. I think or we were a, a point clear. I can't quite remember, but um, that night against Shakhtar was one of my favourite ever Champions League nights. It was absolutely incredible. The atmosphere that night was amazing, and um, I think just because we knew we were up against it, we to have any hope of qualifying, we knew that the fans really had to bring it. And obviously, you lose that early goal, so you, you know, it goes a bit flat for a while. But then your old pal, Big Yarisic, right on the stroke yeah. of half time. It was an absolute, it was Chris Sutton-esque against Juventus. Right, t- took it right in the half ball into the, t- the top corner and that just G'd everyone up and we, we pummeled them for the second half and just could not get this goal. And then out and over, obviously very similar to the AC Milan game the month before, um, right in the dying seconds, um, Magidi, it, it looks like the ball's going to go out and Magidi just wraps his foot round it 
and he just gets it into the box and Donati, I mean, he even takes a deflection after Donati hits it. It's one of the scrappiest goals you'll ever see, but uh, the end result was just utter bedlam. I mean, I ended up about four draws in I'll front of him. I'll get him Simon. It was incredible. And um, yeah, that's that's all you can all you can say. Um, it was a brilliant night and um, hopefully, I'd, 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 like, but like you say, though, the away games haven't been as good um, for us. It's been a bit more traditional Celtic away in Europe where Shakhtar's concerned, but hopefully it's third time lucky on Wednesday. 100%. Did you hear me on the mic there? I thought I knew that. That's shocking from myself. Like, new headset. But I mean, 100% get what you're saying. Like, the, the game itself, I remember watching it when Neary Arzig popped up in the 92nd minute. You're thinking, wow. I think Gary Caldwell tried to fizz a shot in and deflect it back and he just it, took yeah. it and put it in the bottom corner. It, it was just... Um... Yeah, it was a total stramash because Shakhtar by that point were, had all, all the full team behind the ball. And um, there's a famous moment after it when the Shakhtar boss is, isn't, isn't very happy at full time, shall we say. And um, we Gordon Strachan just keeps sort of pounding his heart. And it's almost as if they say, it's because my, my boys never stop. Do you know, do you know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> it, it was a great night. And like I said, but even at that, you still thought it's a long shot if we're going to get into the last 16. But... I think they were rewarded for their efforts that night, and uh, we became that that year. We became the first club to qualify for the last sixteen two years on the trot. So uh, it was all good. Yeah, team full of workhorses, wasn't it? I yeah, mean, absolutely. Sprinkled with the likes of McGeady, Hasselink, McDonald, and stuff, who could produce magic moments. But the rest, I mean, partly an absolute dog in the midfield. Caldwell, McManus knew the rules. Do you know what I mean? So it was, it was just a workman-like team. I mean, if you can win against teams like that, but like Lee Naylor playing left-back, you know you're on to something, so we'll, we'll take that. And In terms of the, the, the game coming up, one thing I do want to touch upon, they're in all-familiar territory, so we have to go to Poland to play them, and you, you kind of look at it, and it's a way for them and that, that type of stuff, and we know the who do, but for some reason, I don't get that same kind of inkling with Postacoglu. I can't feel that we're going to we're going to implode away from home all the time. I mean, we did some great showings last season against Batiste and Leverkusen and, and things like that in Europa League. And I think Shakhtar are probably on a similar level to that. So, But is it a concern for you? I mean, I know they've lost a lot of their, their, their Brazilian-type players. I know they've took advantage of the, the contract-breaking situation with the whole uh, conflict over there. And I know most of their players are Ukrainian and an ex-Celtic player, Marian Sved. He has scored three goals in two games, two in the Champions League and one in the previous league game. So they're in a bit of form, but what, what were you feeling into it? I think, like you say, and Shakhtar are one of the perfect textbook examples there, poor away for them, especially that that second year. Um, and like you say, funnily enough, Lee Naylor and Mark Wilson had, had uh, absolutely brutal games that night. It was, I think that was the opening game, or, or certainly the opening away game of that campaign. And we were we were 2-0 down after 10 minutes. And you already know it's it's game over. It's just damage limitation after that. Um and I think but going back to 2004, I think when we first drew them, it was very much the same thing. I, obviously they were a bit more of an unknown quantity at that point, and we thought we're going to get our first one, and they, they sort of ran over the top of us again. And obviously, then you start finding out more about them, and you know, like you say, they're I think they're sort of quite an oil-rich club, um, the way they yeah. were bankrolled at that time, and they were able to take advantage of these sort of Brazilian work permit rules. So they were they were no it's kind of no idiots by any stretch of the imagination and they they've they've turned us over a couple of times away from home. But like you say, Stephen, I, I do agree that last year, although two of the three matches ended in defeat away from home, you know, Batiste um Real Betis, sorry, we we done very well. Um just that little bit of you know poor game management cost us. And um, we played very well in Leverkusen as well, but yeah. and it was just you know they, they kind of they managed to get us get over the line in the end. But even look back to before that, um, obviously we, we just dis- disregard everything about the COVID season. Nothing, nothing of that counts. <laughs> but the year before that, obviously Lenny got us ten points in the Europa League against the team, you know, sort of the likes of Lazio and players like we've had some some good nights away from home in Europe um, in recent uh, years. So I'm sort of hopeful that it's more that kind of forum that continues rather than the aforementioned, you know, textbook Celtic away from home in Europe um, that uh, kind of jinxed us for so long. Um, like you say, and, and like you say, we post the coggle at the helm and the, the forum we're in the now, I'm, uh, I'm certainly hopeful that we can take something in the game from the game. I'm, I mean, for me, like I said on the previous show on Friday, I think this game's a must win. 
because Shakhtar started really well. They they're already on three points, so effectively, if you get a draw, they're three points ahead. They're, we're, they're on four, we're on one, so we're kind of on the back foot. I mean, I don't think it's a bit harsh for me that the Sesamos win because we, we spoke about it when the groups are drawn. You're like Real Madrid, you're thinking free hit, that usual term, mm-hmm. the free hit, see if you get a point, that's a bonus. RB Leipzig and Shakhtar Donetsk, two similar level teams, I think, let's mm-hmm. be honest with, with us as well. I don't know what your feelings are. I mean, you're looking at it, we rightly spoke. I mean, Fernandino used to play for Shakhtar Donetsk, Douglas Costa used to play for, for Shakhtar Donetsk, so they've had some absolute ballers before in the past, but I think that the current team they have is a bit weak in terms of not having that flair, that kind of Brazilian like kind of state, and, and obviously what's going on over there. So it's a bit for us to take advantage of. And what's your opinion on that? Because of what, in the previous show, a lot of people said a draw, but I don't think that's good enough for me. Yeah, well, the, 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 obviously the big worry would be that if, if they were, if Shakhtar were to win the game, then regard, they'd be six points ahead of us, you know, with four games to go. And obviously, two matches, those matches have still to be. At Celtic Park, but you're you're spot on, Stephen. Obviously, anything you got from Madrid is is a bonus. But the other three teams are sort of fighting it amongst themselves, so it's really important that you don't fall behind with them mm-hmm. uh, too soon. Obviously, Shakhtar have taken points off Leipzig so far, so that that's great. But if we were then able to, because you would assume, you maybe assume that um, Real Madrid are going to be pretty comfortable at home in the Bernabeu against uh, Leipzig, so. Yeah, it is important. At the very, very least, I think we, we should be looking to try and take a point for this game because you don't want to fall too behind. Um, Joe, you're absolutely bang on. Play for the win. I think that's the only way we know. Um, well, Ange is never going to just hope hope for a point. He's going to go out there and rightfully with the idea to win the game because we've definitely got the players. We're definitely in the forum that means that we can go out there and believe that we can win the game. And um, where we to do so, it would just breathe breathe a whole new sort of lease of life into our campaign. Um, it was a great experience last Tuesday, but, you know, ultimately we didn't come away with anything. Um, so you want you want to get some points on that board, um, especially if you can pick them up away from home, because it does. Yeah. And I'll let it, to a sort of extent, it can take a little bit of that nervousness off the home games. Maybe that's sometimes the problem with the, the fans at home. Sometimes it's because it's a home game, because it's all... You know, you're like, well, we're never going to get points away from him, so we need to win tonight. There's always that little bit of nervousness. So if we can, anything we can do to alleviate that pressure, I think um, we definitely should be looking to win the game. It's a, it's just a testament again, back to like Alan Spostakoglu, bringing that level of confidence. If they bring the, the, the comments in again, Charles Smith can definitely see us scoring 100%. Uh, Paul Dad. If we have both our home games, we should finish third. If we can get a result away, we we could well finish second in the game. I like that mindset, but I think the game's home and away against Leipzig and Donetsk are winnable. That's my opinion. We've seen the, the team across the city absolutely annihilate Leipzig. And I, and I know not to go off a kind of past form, and obviously mm-hmm. that was last season. And this, and the, the, just recently announced a new manager, Rose again. He's back in. So they're going to have that new manager bounce, which is kind of, you have to be worried of that. Do you know what I mean? A lot of teams kind of bounce up and they're on an upward kind of form, and, and I know the the one they're game there in the weekend as well. So they, they will be picking up a bit. But in terms of that, we talked about hopes and stuff on the podcast previously, and you look at it, and the more you think, the more your mind wanders. I think you're like, if we win here, if we do this, if we do that, mm-hmm. is it a case of getting into this game, shutting out the outside noise, like past the call, link with a move to Brighton, all that type of stuff. Keep it blank and play your best team. Just go all in attack. Is that what you would do? Because personally, I would have the likes of Mieta starting, Jada, and if Kyogo's fit, fit and fire and put it for the middle and just go for it. Because as I said, it's a must win. We need the points on the board. We need to be competitive in this group and not there to make up the numbers. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what Angel do. As I say, he he doesn't have, um, he never sets his team up to only play for a draw or try and soak up pressure or anything like that. And that's one of the things we love about him. He plays the Celtic way and that's what, the, our way is to attack. Um, it's the best form mm-hmm. of defence, and um, but we're you know we're, we're also looking pretty good at the back as well. But you know, any t- with the likes of Kyogo, like you say, Matt O'Reilly, Cal McGregor, Jota, and and full flow, we're, we've got every right to feel confident. And I and I think this team don't seem to be too handicapped by you know previous Celtic yeah. sides. You know you know poor form away from home in Europe. Um, and, you know, the, I can't remember who it was that said in the comments, but, you know, it's important to obviously win our home games. 
but it is quite important as well because the three teams are sort of quite closely matched that we really, if we want to look at finishing second, then you really do want to, to pick up some points away from home and what better time to do it than uh, Wednesday night? <laughs> Monday comes in here with an interesting one. Mm-hmm. We are generally an experienced side, European in European terms, and I don't expect us to come out of this group. Now, I noticed in the, in the comments he's getting a lot of heat. Now, I don't know if it's obviously what he's saying here, but sometimes different opinions is fine. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Is that a, is that a worry to you that we're a bit naive a bit in the European stage? I mean, you look at the team, you go through it. The Hearts obviously played there. Juranovic is no mug. I don't think he, he knows all the street kind of games in the Croatia International. Carter Vickers, maybe. I know Jens. I think he'll be been an experience in Taylor, vice versa, that. But is it a concern for yourself what, what Monty's saying in terms of an experience? It's a fair point he makes because, you know, relatively speaking, you know, a lot of the, the, the sides this will be their first joint. It'll certainly be their first joint at the at the big time, you know, in the, in the Champions League. I know we've obviously got a bit of experience in the Europa League. Um, but the Champions League's a whole different ball game and the, the standard the opposition, although, like you say, Shakhtar, we're, we're talking about how we, we want to win the game and stuff. Monty's right, we've, we've had our fingers burned a few times, you know, we've had mm-hmm. many a night against, you know, Anderlecht and Alaborg and teams like that when we just think, yeah, this is when we're going to we're going to go and, 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 you know, run over the top of them and we've, you know, been left with eggs on our, eggs on our face. So I, I think um, he's absolutely bang on. In terms of you know having you know in terms of a supporters' point of view, being a bit you know sort of cautious about uh, you know you want to, you know don't attempt with the optimism too much, but just maybe being a bit more bit more realistic. But I think my, my response to that would be I think he's right in terms of experience, but I just mm-hmm. think at this moment in time the way we, the the place we are in and the way we're playing, I think um, as as fans and the way that Ange's inevitably going to set us up um, to play. Provided we don't do our classic and you know concede two goals in the first ten minutes, I think we've got every chance of getting something for this game. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't like to obviously draw back to it, but mm-hmm. you say an experience, and there's a couple of supporters coming up Monday saying you say an experience, and you look at the likes of teams like Bolo Glimp, for example. We didn't say they were European top dogs, but they knew how to get results. And I think Joe Finley comes in. Monty is right, inexperienced, but I get a vibe for this team. They don't give a uh, fuck about things they got ability wins 100% and again uh, Shawnee boy comes in Abada looked like he suffered states right versus Real Madrid but that happened on Wednesday and there's so many different perspectives you could look at this from and I kind of agree on the Abada one because he did look a wee bit shell-shocked and that's fair enough he's 20 years old do you know what I mean yeah. I don't, a lot of our players are that term inexperienced but I don't want to draw on it like it's a, a negative I think it could be a positive where you're going into this from a fresh perspective you're playing your game you're backing your manager. Your manager's backing you. You're going to out in the pitch to win. And if you leave it all out there and you don't come away after the result, fair enough. We're going to support you no matter what. As long as it's not all these wishy-washy uh, excuses like, oh, we've been disappointed tonight. The team didn't turn up. The team mm-hmm. has to turn up and show what it's worth. And I think so far, under Posta Cogley, we've done that. What would you say? Yeah, that, I think we have. I mean, obviously, a lot of the, 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 some of the Criticisms will obviously go to, towards Bodo Glimt, uh, the result last year. But Bodo Glimt didn't just do that to us. Bodo Glimt were last year's, you know, inverted commas, surprise package that weren't really yeah. that much of a surprise because everyone had, had heard about them and the way they'd been playing. And they'd been set up that way for two, three years. So that, that last year was almost their kind of peak season. And I think, funnily enough, losing to Bodo Glimt, maybe actually going to sound a bit like Ange here because a few supporters <laughs> that weren't convinced by him this time last year, when we lost 4-0 to Leverkusen, Ange is quoted as saying that that's the night he knew it was all work, it was all coming together. It's, it, his vision was starting to come together at Celtic. And obviously, we were behind in the league at that point and, you know, we were dropping, still hadn't really started putting our one and run together and folk were going, you know, is this guy having a laugh? Um but he, he did say the same thing about Bodo Glimt as well. Um, I think there was a lot of the, the, the kind of the accepted narrative was they were a really good team and they've done this to a few clubs and, and that's it. Whereas, and and I think the next question was, is there anything we can learn from, from Bodo Glimt in, in terms of the team? And, you know, you're half expecting Ange to sort of, because they played similar football, they were just further yeah. down in their pro, further down the, the line in their process. Even I was, you know, I was expecting them to sort of say, like, yep, this is the sort of standard we want to be at. 
but that, and I think that's kind of where I was absolutely 100% bought over with him because he, he said something along the lines of, this is Bodo Glimp's peak. You know, this is they're not. Yeah. This is this is their level. He says they've beat us tonight and absolutely fair and squared. But he says this isn't our level. He says we aspire to be bigger and better than this. And that it doesn't mean that necessarily in a disrespectful way. But that I, I just thought that that's where I, I was convinced that this guy is here to try and get us bring back to make the glory days the norm again um, on the continent. And um, I, I think he's he's here. For the long haul, we do just that. I think, like you say, we, we might lose on, on Wednesday night. And, you know, Monty's right, you know, that, that these guys have still to rack up some more experience in Europe. But I think for what we've learned so far, um, I think we, we are, we're in as good a shape as we can possibly be for an away tie yeah. um, in Europe. 100%. And just to kind of the point to the, the comments here, I can notice there's a wee bit of a, an argument going on, but... Just want to say, this is what football being cancelled does to us all. Like, so I mean, we better hate it on, but does not get in the head. We're all here to have a bit of crack, and we're talking about Celtic Football Club, and we're back Absolutely in the nice. Shakhtar Donetsk. <laughs> no, I mean, let's get along. Do the talking. Come on, get in these comments again. And a lot of people are saying that, like, I mean, I think Danny Boy actually nailed it. If I can find it again, I we are inexperienced in the CL. This club. I've been in the group stages for a while. Next season will be slightly experienced and make a better fist of it. Again, I like mm-hmm. that, but it's the mindset for me. I think we can do it this season. There's no reason mm-hmm. why we can't qualify from this group. And I think second's the bar. We'll have to be aiming there. And then third, you're getting in the Europa League, which is fair enough. But then you have to make a fist of it and do better than we did mm-hmm. last season there. Granda comes in. I know Celtic are playing great stuff at home, but they have to turn on the Europe. 100%. We talked mm-hmm. about that last week. And they played Real Madrid and they kind of they got tired after 60 minutes, but I can see the, the process of it against a Shakhtar, against a Leipzig here more at our level. We can cope better with that pressure, that type of environment, because we can match them for 90 minutes. I just think Real Madrid were a level above, and that's fair enough. We'll have to mm-hmm. kind of cope with that, hopefully. And we'll kind of we'll kind of round it off there, move into the game itself, and come and view as a... Who would you rather be, Penn or Teller? Uh, oh, that's a good one, actually. Um... I'll go pen, uh, just pen. for the fact that um, you know I write a lot, so I'll go. I'll go for the pen. <laughs> so pen, give me your lineup and score prediction. Uh, right, so I think it'll be Joe Hart and goals. Um, I think I'm assuming Starfelt's still out, so I think it'll just be the standard back four of Juranovic, Yen, CCV, and uh, Greg Taylor or Gregory, as our Ross uh, affectionately calls him. Um, I don't actually think there'll be really any any changes from from last week. I think um, Abada, uh, not Abada, sorry, Hatati, O'Reilly, and McGregor in the middle of the park, uh, and then that's maybe the only. Th- I think maybe Maeda will start rather than Abada, um, Jota on the left, and uh, I've not really heard anything to say what where Kyogo's fitness is. So it very much could be. Hi, Ricky. <laughs> Good to hear from you, mate. Good to see you. Um, I think it'll probably. I think he might start Yakimakis, just depending on on fitness. But it'll be one of the two, obviously. Yeah. And uh, score prediction. Uh, I'll say two one Celtic. Two one Celtic and Scott Howe three two or two eight there. Mm-hmm. I will go for my lineup: Joe Hart, Juranovic, Carter Vickers, Starfeld, Taylor, McGregor. Uh, McGregor, Hatate, O'Reilly, Jada, Kyogo, and Mieda. Mieda. I'll go for yeah. the one Celtic. I think mm-hmm. against Real Madrid, when you, you kind of look back in hindsight and you can kind of go pick players apart. I think we missed his work rate, especially mm-hmm. when it came into like, the latter parts of that first half when we're tailing off and coming back and coming back. I think Mieda would have kept us on the front foot for more more longer periods of time. You know what I, mean? I, don't, I don't know. Like Obviously, you could play Jada and Abada. But I think just for, for now, I would put Jad on the right, man on the left, and the brilliant man himself, Kyogo, through the middle. Do you know what I mean? I think that there for me, you could win against Shakhtar. Not easily, but you could put up a challenge and get the result we need. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. It's a team that won't be capable of winning any match, I think. Uh, as I say, I think you, you said you went for Starfield there as well. I'm not sure if... Oh, um, sorry, James. Oh, but that's what I, I thought maybe you'd seen the news more than me and maybe Starfield no, was fit. I, I think sorry. if Starfield is fit, he potentially could start because this might be more of a, 
a sort of physical game. Um, or well, there's Kaiser, you know, he's confirming his staff belt's out for a few weeks. So yeah, I think it'll be it'll be Jens. Uh, oh, great minds think alike, Alistair. <laughs> and again, just to kind of round it off, and it's been a good, great podcast. Lots to talk about good talking points and people in the comments, whether it's hate or not, it's good to see us talk to each other. Just keep it down and we level it down. We're all here to get along and talk Celtic Football Club. And just to remind everybody, our new show, which is bi-weekly with the Tony McLaughlin from Celtic Trends, is going to be starting next Thursday, hopefully, fingers crossed, just to kind of go back into oh, games yeah. and looking at stats, analytics, all that kind of side. I'm really interested in it, learning about all that stuff. So it'll be great quality and hopefully you can all join us for that as well. And if you're a takeover, Kaiser's been on it. The next on it is Jed Thomas and then Alistair Zach. If you're interested, please come to us. On our socials, or send us out. Drop us a message, yeah. Yep. Um, We're not. And if, if we get, I think, as you've said, if we get more, if, if a lot of people come forward and say they want to come on, then it, we, we might bring it to less than once every two months just to get get through it. But yeah. it's, it's very much a demand. But if anybody wants to come on, get in touch with any of us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. 100%. And also, as well, the membership option, which is always there for everybody. Kaiser's took, took it, Danny Boy's took it. 99p a month, you get the crack and emojis John stick has time to make, and it's just great fun, and it helps the channel as well, produce better mm-hmm. content. But Anthony, my my pen to my teller, have you enjoyed this one? Uh, absolutely, mate. As I say, there's uh, with the very little, you know, much in the way to, to talk about football-wise, on, you guys done brilliant on Friday. I really enjoyed the show on Friday. Um, he's done a great job of just kind of trying to keep things Taking over in the absence of any football, but it's, it's great news that the matches during the week are going ahead. And from what I heard today, that the normal service shall resume at the weekend as well. So uh, it's good when you get your weekly or twice weekly content of Celtic. Just in the same way, it's good getting the twice weekly content of the endless Celts. A hundred percent. And until Friday, when we look back and hopefully a great result in European football, to everyone who's joined tonight, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail. <laughs>